Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is full of gray areas, uncertainty, and quite often fear. Higher Potential with Indeed is here to demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations, groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Jay Munro, Senior Country Marketing Manager of Australia at Indeed. And in this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion, to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting. I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. In this week's episode, which falls close to Are You OK Day, we'll be discussing the very important topic of supporting employees' mental well-being in the workplace. Before I begin, if you or anyone you know needs support or help, please contact lifeline.org.au at 131114. Now, there's no doubt that the pandemic has had a huge impact on the mental well-being of workers across Australia. In Indeed's recent survey, we found that 31% of workers in Australia have felt increasingly lonely over the past year, and that number only gets bigger amongst minority groups. Further, the Australian Human Rights Commission found that at least 45% of Australians aged between 16 and 85 will experience a mental illness at some point in their life, while one in five Australian adults will experience a mental illness in any given year. With many employees spending one third of their lives at work, unhealthy workplaces can quickly have a negative impact on workers' mental well-being. So it's crucial for organisations to start taking the necessary steps to facilitate a healthy and safe workplace for all of their employees. To learn more, today we're joined by Jennifer Jones, HR Business Partner, Inclusion and Diversity Lead, Australia and New Zealand at AstraZeneca, to discuss the ramifications of the pandemic on our mental health and what employers can do to help support their employees not just on RUOK Day, but every day of the year. Welcome, Jan. Hi, Jay. I'm really grateful to be here today. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the Camaragal people of the Eora Nation, a beautiful part of Sydney I'm very fortunate to be both working and living on. And I acknowledge elders, past, present and future. Now, Jen, could you share a little bit with us about your role as Inclusion and Diversity Lead uh, at AstraZeneca? I sure can. And firstly, I would say it's absolutely a role that fuels my bucket. Uh, Inclusion and diversity are fundamental to the success of AstraZeneca. And we know that building an inclusive culture and leveraging that strength and diversity of each one of our people is going to provide us with a competitive advantage. 
So what's my role in this? I have the incredible opportunity of being in a position to help implement and embed our important inclusion and diversity strategy. It's an enormously varied role, but to do this, I partner with our business and uh, my internal HR colleagues to focus essentially on uh, three focus areas, bringing the strategy to life for our local employees. I create and support our employees with all kinds of development, learning, sharing, engagement initiatives aligned to our three priorities so that we can positively shift that dial in achieving our, our metrics and a more diverse and inclusive work environment for absolutely everyone. An enormous part of our success in IND is because of our empowered employees who drive the agenda from grassroots. Um, I know that we're going to chat a little bit more about this, but we absolutely see this as our super strength and has been key to how much we've achieved in a relatively short time and key to our ongoing sustainability. So what are, in terms of AstraZeneca, what are the some of the few ways that you've been successful in implementing employee wellness priorities into your company policy? We have some specific policies across both our SHE, our safety, health and environment team and our HR team, which address employee wellness. Firstly, we start with compliance to the relevant acts. And there's around eight of these, such as uh, Work Health and Safety Act, the Fair Work Act, Anti-Discrimination Workers' Compensation Act, etc. Secondly, we're always reviewing our policies to understand the data and the trends that we're seeing internally and also externally with best practices in the market. A business case for prioritising employee wellbeing, I think, is that by doing so, we're actually reducing our company risks associated with things like attrition, workplace incidents, etc. So some examples of our recent policy reviews that embed wellness are flex work practices. And I know this pandemic has been the trigger for many companies to do the same. Understanding that flex work is no longer seen in the talent market as a benefit but really as an expectation. Another example is our family and domestic violence leave policy being offered as paid leave. Why is this important? Well, research from the Australian Institute of Criminology tells us both the prevalence and severity of domestic violence has increased during this COVID-19 pandemic. Thirdly, and more broadly, I'd say we've started and continue to review our policies for inclusive language. We challenge ourselves, you know, are our policies long and written in legal terms that really might turn an employee off or not welcome them into that policy to use that policy? Or instead, are they written in an inclusive way, a simple way, are easily accessible so that our employees really know that we've written them for them, they are encouraged to use the policies and we welcome them to start the discussion with their, with their managers about them. As part of this, we review the number of employees visiting the policy and we ask our employees for feedback all the time. Yeah, and and I guess that's one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, it's not kind of a create and then leave type process. It has to be, you know, constant iteration and evolution of anything to do with diversity and inclusion. Something that you, you mentioned there, though, is the word policy, and that can be very scary it can scare employees off. Do you have any, you know, tips or advice on how to 
encourage employees to engage in a policy to understand it and I guess help uh, bring a policy to life? Absolutely, and that that's the third point that I was referring to. So we really invite feedback from our employees. We want to be challenged by our employees. Um, are we using inclusive language? Can they see that this policy is written for them and encouraging them to use it? We look at the number of people that are viewing our policy online and the number of uptake. Also, helping our people leaders to understand that a policy is written there to embrace and really to facilitate the support that our employees need. We're here to support them. So challenging what the policy includes, is it really at best practice, but also the way it's written. Okay. And I I think it is really important there, like you said, to have that balance and two-way communication. But let's skip over to mental wellbeing. One of the topics that I really want to address up front is that we often presume that a worker's mental illness develops outside of the workplace. But what about if the workplace is actually the catalyst for it? Can we just talk about that for the first couple of minutes here? There's really two parts to this question. I think the scenario where the employees have a previous experience of mental illness and it's been triggered again in our workplace. And of course, an employee who is experiencing mental illness for the first time. I think it comes back to the first principles of we can't solve the problem until we understand that problem. And we really need to to go out of our way to understand what's happening for that person. Um, Potentially, they may be the only ones in the organisation speaking up about a a mental illness or the, the catalyst for that. Uh, but it may actually be part of a a bigger issue, a systemic issue we need to address. How can we make people feel safe to speak up about this? People can feel very fearful about talking about having a mental illness or, you know, it can be a very vulnerable state that someone can be in. So are there pieces of advice on how to build or create more environments uh, or cultures where people can feel safe? This comes down to the psychological safety. Psychological safety is at the heart of all human connection. At AstraZeneca, we want to understand who you are and celebrate that in the workplace. So specifically at AstraZeneca, we've really looked at how we can build a mentally health workplace a psychologically safe workplace. And we've started to firstly design a workplace to minimise harm. For us, that is meeting all legal requirements, of course, and then start to look at triggers to mental illness. So looking at stress, workload, connection, psychological safety at the heart of it is human connection. So the leadership capability, um, that allyship, peer-to-peer support, looking at areas where we can really enhance, particularly in the pandemic, um, enhance and strengthen connections with each other. Building from there, we've looked at the organisational resilience that we have. We started with conversations, had employees opening up about their own mental 
illness. We have an employee who we provided the platform and the forum and she shared her story with our organisation about living with bipolar. This was about two years ago and up until that point I don't ever remember a conversation about mental illness in our workplace people being comfortable to speak about it, to share any stories. All the statistics tell us that our organisation, the people in our organisation are representative of the community in which we operate and we know the stats in the community that one in five people will have mental illness. Particularly in the pandemic, we've been doing things such as drop-in centres, breathing space we call them, and employees can come to form connections. A lot of them will come and tap away at their emails and listen to the chatter. We've also had watch parties. We've played really important videos with messages and had a conversation after, a collective conversation about what we've seen. From a leadership capability, we've been investing in training So they are, at a minimum, have three hours of training for leadership. How do I create a safe place in my team for all of my employees? Every single employee has conducted training through um, Black Dog, and that was compulsory training, and we wanted to really embed a familiar language, a common understanding and starting place to continue the conversations and, and make people feel safe to start to use the language or start to say, I'm not okay, and not be fearful of how another employee might react because it might be a big conversation for them. Um, we've also got an incredible ERG, Employee Resource Group, a really important part of our inclusion and diversity strategy is to have grassroots. I mentioned it's our super strength. It's a community across diverse group of people across Australia and New Zealand who have a real passion for mental health, learning about mental health, sharing stories. It's a safe space for our employees to go for resources and allyship. Moving from there, we have mental health first aiders. It's a key part of our mental health program and it promotes and facilitates early help seeking. So how can we support our employees to support themselves? Again, reducing stigma, having somebody in the organisation to go to that's not your manager. Knowing that we have a workplace that is psychologically safe means having just options as well for employees. That's really, really interesting. And you've sparked a few questions from me there as well. Great. Um, The first one I have is, you know, the size of AstraZeneca, you would have quite a few different types of business units and teams, and they would have their own cultures and dynamics amongst them. You tend to see language being used in different ways. And what we see more recently is we're, we're picking up on how language can be quite damaging the use of language in terms of slang um, can be quite damaging, uh, particularly with mental well-being. Mm. that what we may have thought of as being, you know, not harmful at all is actually very harmful and goes against creating safe workplaces. So how do you counter that uh, and educate different departments 
we have a saying that we that we repeat, which is that words count and moments matter. And it's something for all of us to understand. So the words that you use in a meeting, a one-on-one conversation, um, a leadership forum, they really matter. And you need to be held accountable for those words. We talk about speak up, listen up, follow up at AstraZeneca. And speaking up when you see somebody who might be using damaging words and not realising it. And now we're looking at how can we speak up with purpose so that we are are really being heard? And then how can we ensure that people are actively listening? This all builds to the psychological safety of an organisation. You you touched on ERGs just before as well, or employee resource groups, and they're incredibly important in terms of, you know, advocacy and uh, generating allyship and just that creating that sense of belonging as well. Um, A lot of ERGs that are created or exist in the larger organisations tend to lump uh, mental wellbeing in with disability. Shouldn't they be separated? At AstraZeneca, we have them separate. I think an organisation needs to do what's true to them. And I think depending on the size of the organisation, depends on the context of the resources they have available. And I am a real advocate for just start. Just start, just do something positive in the space, create a safe space for uh, employees to gather, to talk without judgment and be prepared for that to evolve. I want to jump back a little as well. I'm jumping all over the place. I know I I I do tend to do that. (laughs) Um, You mentioned before around building psychological safety, how important that is. Now, we ran some research at Indeed that showed during the pandemic, around a third of Australian workers have started to feel increasingly lonely over the last year, which would, you know, that would indicate that we're starting to potentially lose our grip on that human connection in a way. What have you seen or how are you combating that at AstraZeneca? They are challenging times. Loneliness is, in fact, one of the main contributors to mild to moderate mental illness. So we know this. How do we stay connected and keep listening to each other, keep bringing people in whilst they are remote without Zoom fatigue? I think it's a shared challenge across industries. At the moment, we also have frontline employees who are working from home that have never worked at home before, particularly in manufacturing. It would be similar to bus drivers working from home. Jobs that typically have never worked from home are now are now doing so. And part of our IND strategy is to be inclusive no matter where you are and inclusive of all. So in that case, we've actually um, issued iPads, work iPads to all of our employees who didn't ordinarily have a laptop set up at home. They've never worked up at home. The first thing is um, being doing wellbeing check-ins and, of course, now um, secondly starting to advance their 
um, IT skills so they can use their iPads really effectively to stay in touch. We've done actually an enormous amount of things and a lot's been driven through safe space and we've had to move really quickly. So I mentioned before, just start, just start and be prepared to evolve and adapt what you're doing. Once employees know you're coming with good intention, it um, it's really accepted that um, that you're there for the right reasons and that it's okay to to change the plans. That's really interesting. Now we're we're actually out of time, but I do want to ask you the final question, uh, which is how we finished every episode of Higher Potential with Indeed which is what will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? To create a truly inclusive workplace now and in the future is to get human. The one thing we have in common is that we're all human. We all have a story to tell. We're all vulnerable at times to have the courage the curiosity and the desire to ask questions, listen to what our colleagues are telling us and connect on that level, I think is what's needed. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm so incredibly grateful. Mental wellbeing is such an important topic and I think the you know those themes of humanity and courage and uh, psychological safety are themes that we really need to keep top of mind. So thank you so much again. Uh, and again, if you or anyone you know needs support or help, please contact lifeline.org.au at one three one 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 four. Thank you, Jay, so much for this time today. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to High Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you've found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guest do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.